Hi, this is Wendy Lockhart, your host on the Not So Perfect Journey, where we dive into all topics relating to mind, body, and spirit on the journey to becoming our authentic selves. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. How did your January go? Were you able to listen deeper to the voice inside of you? Were you able to hear the call to an authentic life? How are you feeling now? It's February, and we're on to the next step in the journey, which is entering the wilderness. What is your wildest dream, your wish for the future? What's holding you back from achieving it? Time, money, obligations, people, geography. Are these real obstacles or part of the story you tell yourself? A fictional narrative because to follow your dream is too scary. What if you fail? Queen Latifah, hip-hop goddess, said, Fear can be good when you're walking past an alley at night or when you need to check the locks on your doors before you go to bed. But it's not good when you have a goal and you're fearful of obstacles. We often get trapped by our fears, but anyone who has had success has failed before. Failure is a real possibility, but we shouldn't be afraid of it. Failure is a learning experience. When we fail, we pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, think about what we learned, and move on. But fear of failure can make us freeze, unable to move another step. So a question to ask yourself is, how real is the fear? Are you thinking like a chess master, 20 steps ahead on what could, might, potentially happen down the road? Are you predicting doom and gloom based on one decision made today? That decision can have positive impacts too, and we can adjust along the way to prevent catastrophes. Approach your obstacles in that manner. The first step is usually the scariest, but there is always room to adjust along the way if it starts to go south. Carol Dweck, creator of The Growth Mindset, said, When there's a setback, someone with a fixed mindset will start thinking, Maybe I don't have what it takes. They may get defensive and give up. A hallmark of a successful person is that they persist in the face of an obstacle. And often, these obstacles are blessings in disguise. My personal belief is that when we're able to really hear the voice inside us and trust that it is not leading us astray, that's when magic happens. I'd also like to take a moment to speak how I view a journey to authenticity versus what may be a more traditional view. Our world is rapidly changing, and what may have worked for a Buddhist monk in the first century might not apply to us as well in modern day. Not that I want to discount that viewpoint, but I think there is room for more voices and perspectives. So here are a few ideas that I have that stray from a traditional hero's journey perspective of authenticity. First, entering the wilderness does not mean always having to do something scary with a capital S. These smaller forays that are scary with a small S can help give us confidence to take bigger steps. Don't do what author Karen Salita calls the big changes trap, where we set the bar too high. She says, start training with the low bar goals that you know you can clear. Then gradually raise them over time while developing skills, strength, and confidence. 
I see discovering our authenticity as a cycle, starting with a small s and expanding as our comfort level grows. That may be why once you get to be a certain age, like me, taking big s steps isn't as scary. You've already taken so many smaller steps, so you have practice and the confidence that it will be okay. Small cycles of a journey continue to build upon themselves, like a snail laying down its shell one smaller layer at a time. Maybe you need to change your job, go back to school, or start a business. Personally, this week, as a matter of fact, I am changing jobs within my current company. I have done a lot of scary stuff before, so this feels relatively small. But it is still a risk, still a change. What do you need to do to enter the wilderness? Second, I think it is a patriarchal view that we must always enter the wilderness alone to be on a true journey. That was Joseph Campbell's myth view. Sometimes the thing that can get us to take that first scary step is someone doing it with us or supporting our decision. Humans are social beings. Women especially are evolutionary wired to be part of supportive groups. It's a myth that we have to go alone for growth. We succeed as a society when we work together. For me, making the decision to leave my marriage eight years ago was really scary. I didn't know where I would live, if I would have enough money, and what my friends and family would think. But when the time came to make the decision, it happened in a split second. I had made everything in my life look so perfect from the outside that I was worried friends and family wouldn't understand, and many of them didn't. I'm heartened by what Eric Fromm, German psychoanalyst, wrote in his book, The Art of Being. If other people do not understand our behavior, so what? Their request that we must only do what they understand is an attempt to dictate to us. If this is being asocial or irrational in their eyes, so be it. Mostly, they resent our freedom and our courage to be ourselves. We owe nobody an explanation or an accounting, as long as our acts do not hurt or infringe on them. I was fortunate that the people who really knew me vocalized their support, and it took a weight off my shoulders. I had a friend who graciously opened her home to me. My ex-husband miraculously wanted a speedy divorce, And within four months of making the decision, I was accepting the keys to my own home. Even though it was very scary at the moment, because I was listening to my voice inside, I knew it was the right choice, and the universe seemed to help everything line up perfectly. That may not be everyone's experience, but you never know until you take the first step. Third, what if you enter the wilderness and feel like you failed? Have you really? Louise Hay, revered psychic teacher, said, The gateways to wisdom and learning are always open, and more and more I am choosing to walk through them. Barriers, blocks, obstacles, and problems are personal teachers, giving me the opportunity to move out of the past and into the totality of possibilities. I love this view. The gateways are always open for us. Think back to a time when you encountered an obstacle and took a risk to overcome it. Whether you succeeded or failed is a matter of perspective. The more important aspect of risk-taking is did you learn something and did you have growth as a result?
Last, our journeys don't always start with making a choice within our control. Sometimes we are thrust into a journey through tragedy, such as the death of a spouse, a child, or someone else very close to us. Maybe it starts with the loss of a job or a home. These events can cause us to question our very being and change our lives in an instant. The choice becomes either to curl up into a tight ball and hide from the world or gather the strengths at the core of our being, stand up straight and face the obstacle head on. Or maybe we start off in the small ball for a while and decide that's not how we want to continue our lives and then enter the wilderness. If this is where you're at, first, hugs to you. And next, I just want to acknowledge how hard these life changes can be. Sometimes it takes all our strength just to get out of bed in the morning. But if you continue to put one foot in front of the other, you'll get to where you want to be eventually. So now here's your homework this week. First, because entering the wilderness can be very stressful, let's cover some ways to calm your nervous system. One of the easiest ways to do so is breathing. Try doing some belly breathing where you expand and contract your abdomen. Try breathing in for six seconds and out for six seconds on a regular basis. Or try alternate nostril breathing where you breathe in through one nostril, out and in through the other, and repeat. You could also try some yoga or qigong, physical exercises where breath is also very important. Next, it's important to protect your sleep. Sleep can be difficult when you're stressed, but taking control of it will help every other area in your life. The military has spent a lot of money to research how to help soldiers fall asleep in combat zones. If this can work for them, it might work for you. You can do this when you're going to sleep or if you wake up in the middle of the night with your mind racing. The military sleep method involves the following steps. First, breathe deeply. Close your eyes and focus on your breathing. Take slow, deep breaths. Next, relax your face. Slowly relax all the muscles in your face starting from your forehead and then moving downward over your cheeks, mouth, and jaw. Focus on one part at a time, breathing deeply and letting go of any muscle tension you're holding there. Don't forget to relax your tongue and the muscles around your eyes. Drop your shoulders and arms. Once your face is relaxed, work your way down to your neck, shoulders, and arms. Relax your neck and let go of any tension accumulated there. Drop your shoulders and let yourself sink into the bed. Focus your attention on one arm and slowly work your way downward, relaxing your bicep, forearm, hand, and fingers. Do the same for your other arm. Work your way downward. Once you've relaxed your shoulders and arms, slowly shift your focus to other parts of your body relaxing them one at a time. Work your way down your chest, abdomen, and pelvis. Then focus on one leg, relaxing your thigh, knee, calf, ankle, foot, and toes. Do the same with your other leg. Last, clear your mind. Once you've consciously relaxed every part of your body from top to toes, focus on clearing your mind. 
You can do this by focusing on a calming image. For instance, picture yourself lying in a meadow under the blue sky. Or imagine you're sleeping peacefully in a velvet hammock in a dark room. If visualization doesn't work, say the words, don't think, repeatedly in your mind for 10 seconds. If other thoughts distract you, put them aside and bring your attention back to your visualization or recitation. Practicing this technique for six weeks in a row is supposed to help you master it so you can fall asleep in under two minutes. And last are questions to ponder. Think about a time in your life when you listened to that little voice inside you that said, I just can't take this anymore and something has to change. Even if it was small, what was that process like? How did it unfold? And now focus on where you are right now in this moment. What is your voice telling you now? What do you want to do but are afraid of? If it's too big and scary, is there a way to break it down into smaller chunks or cycles that make it less scary? Are there people that can support you along the way? Can you focus on what the goal is at the end of the cycle? What it is you want to achieve? What obstacles are standing in your way? In closing, I would like to leave you with a little bit of humor um, with this poem by Sufi poet Hafiz, one of my favorites. This poem is titled Into Your Undies. How long will you remain content just to hear and tell stories of what happens beyond your horizons? Where the courageous had no choice but to live their ideals and imbibe effulgence's shape. Restlessness and a lack of peace can play a vital part in your inner unfoldment. If you ever become too complacent, too accepting of your sorrow or shadow self, the moon might fling a beehive into your undies, and that should wake you up. We'll continue our February theme, Entering the Wilderness, next week. I hope you'll join me. Don't forget to follow the show and share it with a friend. Until next time, have a beautiful week. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to not let the perfect be the enemy of the good on your not-so-perfect journey.